Canada Conversations is brought to you by Deloitte Canada, helping you navigate the complex challenges your company faces through recovery and enabling you to thrive in the new normal. To learn more, visit Deloitte.ca. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the October 30th, 2020 episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor here at Automotive News Canada. Folks, today might be the most Canadian topic we've ever discussed on the podcast. It involves 93 Canadian auto companies, several colleges and universities, and 3D and virtual reality facilities in Ontario. All of them, from coast to coast to coast, are working toward a singular goal an all-Canadian, zero-emissions vehicle that is being billed as the best business card in the country's automotive industry. We'll get an update and some insight on the unique collaboration that is Project Arrow when I speak with the head of the Automotive Parts Manufacturers Association, Mr. Flavio Volpe, on this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. Flavio, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Always a pleasure, Greg. Before we dive in a bit deeper into where you're at with Project Arrow um, and what it means to the country's auto industry, um, why don't you just give us a brief description of what the project is for those that are unfamiliar with it. What is Project Arrow? So over the last six years, uh, the APMA has had a fleet of vehicles um, uh, made in Ontario. Usually Lexus is made in Woodstock where industry players, uh, suppliers, new technology entrants that want to feature their technology to OEM customers or Tier 1 customers, they put them on our vehicles, we integrate them together. It's a nice industry collaboration project, and we take them to places like uh, CES uh, or to OEM headquarters in um, in uh, Michigan, or we take them on Palo Alto tours or, or any of the other places where uh, we can get some attention. Uh, and uh, open the door for some of our members. Last November, um, you know, we started having a discussion about uh, a zero emission future for the industry uh, at the prompting of uh, the federal government. They invited me to the to the throne speech in December. The prime minister said we should have a zero emission economy by 2050. Came back to the office and said, hmm, "What could we do to respond to that? Why don't we do our own car?" You know, we, I keep saying to everybody that uh, in Canada we make every single part of a vehicle, you know, for about 20 different OEMs. Why don't we, from stem to stern, do an all-Canadian uh, designed, engineered, supplied, uh, lightweight, zero-emission vehicle and build it? And so for all those companies that have been working with us over the last six years, here's a unique platform. We launched it at CES to uh, some uh, pretty good coverage. We launched the design. The first phase was a design phase. It was open uh, exclusively to Canadian college and university students. We opened it in uh, February. We got 25 submissions in June. We had a long list of uh, nine complete submissions that we put in front of a design jury that was led by Ralph Charles, who's the head of uh, design for FCA, but included other luminaries like uh, Ray Tange, former uh, former uh, Toyota Global Executive uh, and head of uh, Toyota Motor Manufacturing Canada, uh, people from Autodesk, uh, fuel cell people, propulsion people. And um, from the last three finalists that included uh, Richmond, BC, Wilson School of Design submission, uh, Humber College in Toronto design submission, and Carleton University School of Industrial Design submission. We picked the Carleton one. 
and we unveiled it uh, to international coverage uh, two weeks ago, inundated with uh, interview requests, par- uh, partnership requests, uh, curiosities. I'm getting letters. People, somebody showed up at the office saying they want to help us with the batteries. Uh, you know, maybe he was a little overzealous, but you know, we. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, yeah. I think we tapped into a little bit of the Canadian mythology around the Avro Arrow and the spirit of that. And uh, people are genuinely excited about this. So how many companies right now, to date, have committed to helping make this vehicle a reality? So we surveyed uh, the, the partnership companies that we've had on all the rest of the fleets. 93 of them have said that they would be interested in participating on the Arrow. The, the, the test of participation is, look, um, uh, we will integrate, we will, we will do the design and the engineering. Uh, we'll be responsible for the integration. Uh, we've, we've chosen Ontario Tech University, which has close relationships with Magna and Multimatic to be the OEM of this uh, concept car. What we're asking partners is, do you want to contribute a uh, component or a system on the vehicle? If you do, then sign up with us. Signing up with us means as we get through the engineering phase, you know, some of that will be duplication. And so, so some combination of those 93 will be on it, uh, but there's room for another 93. So I'm curious, how truly Canadian is this vehicle? And by that, I mean, are most or all of the participating companies in Ontario or from where else in Canada are you getting interest in help? Because I know in the design phase, uh, you, you got designs from universities and colleges coast to coast. Is it the same when it comes to um, the engineering and, and eventually the manufacturing of this vehicle? Um, are you getting interest in multiple provinces or is it Ontario heavy? I'm just curious. So, you know, from the component side, it's going to be Ontario heavy because, of course, that's where all the companies are mm-hmm. uh, and most of their operations are. Uh, but from the um, from the uh, alternative propulsion side, so from the EV side and the battery supply chain especially, yep. Quebec, Quebec is a good player. Um, from some of the systems, intelligent systems, you know, we, we want to put as much connectivity in this as possible. We're getting a lot of interest from um, Edmonton and Calgary. And on the fuel cell side, which, you know, through our engineering phase, we're going to decide whether we're going to fuel cell it or battery electric vehicle. Um, there are lots of players uh, in uh, BC who we're currently talking to, who we've talked to your, uh, the, the, for the bulk of this year. You know, that, that, that's the, the question that will probably determine how national this project is. If we end up doing fuel cell, of course, we bring in the West Coast. Um, right. If we go battery electric, uh, there'll be a lot of uh, Quebec emphasis on it. Um, you know, I'd like to be able to have a final engineering design that has some interchangeability there, as crazy as that sounds. You know, we're building a concept car, we're not building a production, uh, we're not building a car company. Um, but, you know, I want to balance that off with the fact that, hey, look, we're going to do all the homework for someone who may want to build a car company out of this and we're building to Canadian motor vehicle safety standards. So we also have in our minds during the engineering phase, what, what will be production ready? And we're making some of those decisions, uh, uh, with practicality in mind. Um, and some of the others, uh, you know, we're being a little bit dreamy. So where are you at right now? You're about a third of the way through, I guess. Sure. Um, are you on schedule and satisfied with the response to date? We're definitely on schedule. 
you know, there was some concern earlier this year that uh, with the pandemic shutting everything down, um, it would slow us up. But frankly, we were in a design phase, and, and so that didn't uh, require anybody to be in a production facility anywhere. Right now, we're in an engineering phase uh, where we um, delegated design to uh, students. Uh, engineering is being done by professionals. Uh, we are our our physical build partners are Ontario Tech University. Um, and our virtual build partners are Windsor-Essex Development Commission's VR Cave. We are going to build these out in parallel. Uh, certainly, um, that virtual build-out, uh, you know, to speak in layman's terms, uh, allow us to really map out uh, parts and systems, how they work together, do some virtual testing of uh, the vehicle, its interchangeability, its crash testing, and also help to guide all those um, tooling and mold-making and tool-making partners that want to be part of this say, okay, well, we'll build them out in VR first. And, 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 and you know, what we need to be able to do here is is be efficient on cost on one-off tools. And so they're going to help us there. We, we will announce uh, our engineering advisory committee, which is different than, uh, than the group of people uh, that were on our design uh, committee. And there'll, there'll be some nice surprises there. I mean, tease it out uh, in this podcast, but uh, we, we've got offers of help um, from companies uh, from around the world that uh, understand that this is a Canadian product, uh, a project, and understand that uh, we have, we've ring-fenced all of the contributions, the physical contributions and the systems from Canadian companies, but they want to be involved. They, they feel good about it. And um, when you hear some of the names, you'll say, you know what, that adds to the pedigree of uh, what we're trying to do here. We're also taking advice from people who are looking at this from a manufacturing uh, sequence point of view. Okay, look, uh, you're building a concept car, and this concept car is going to be the, the world's greatest business card. You know, when we go out there and say, hey, look, by the way, I'm in this component class, and, uh, you know, instead of uh, instead of PowerPoint, I'm going to show you the arrow. Um, you know, the some of our advisory committee is, okay, look, hold on a second. You know, let's, let's make sure that we give the best value to the companies that are participating. So if we can design this in a sense that, uh, that has an eye to, you know, if someone wanted to take this in, into production, does this make sense? Uh, then let's do that. And so that's where we are right now. You'll hear some of those names over the next couple of months. Um, and, uh, the next thing the public will see, of course, is the virtual build out uh, from, uh, from uh, Weedsy's uh, VR cave, probably uh, first quarter next year, and okay. um, and uh, you know we're going to document it, uh, Greg. Maybe we'll have you along for this. We're going to document this build, and uh, you know as much as we can be public about it. I think we've engaged the public and they like it, so I'd like to bring them along for the ride as we assemble this thing. We'll hear more from Flavio Volpe after this short break. The COVID-19 pandemic has had an unprecedented impact on the world's population and economy. Social distancing and self-isolation measures have taken consumers out of the auto retail market, while concern over worker safety continues in manufacturing facilities globally. An increasingly distressed supply base is facing the potential for large-scale liquidity issues, which may lead to increased M&A activity throughout the ecosystem. Significant uncertainty remains around the permanence of current consumer behaviors and the extent to which they will be able to re-engage with the sector. Through Deloitte's State of the Consumer Tracker series, we discuss timely data and trends and highlight key consumer insights. 
We also explore how behavioral preferences take shape over time to allow businesses to make strategic decisions in this dynamic market environment. The ongoing survey results are also available via an interactive dashboard, the Deloitte Global State of the Consumer Tracker. Check in every two weeks to explore new consumer insights and emergent trends. Welcome back to the show where the head of the APMA, Flavio Volpe, is updating us on Project Arrow and talking about Canada's electric future. I mean, you call it a concept car, but but sometimes concept cars become reality. Is the yep. goal to build just one car and call it a day, or is it to bring this idea and this prototype to the mass market when it's finished? Is that a possibility? Is that something you want to do, or is it too soon to know if you can do that? Well, it's going to sound too cute to your listeners, but but we are a trade association, you know. So, so I'm not a I'm not a dot com billionaire where we've got some money to deploy uh, between my uh, my uh, space station business and our uh, energy storage business. Uh, but what we what we've been trying to tell people, you know, I spent a lot of time um, uh, talking to OEMs around the world about investing in Canada, and I say, look, the whole supply chain is here. And then, and then, not just supply chain. The the, the tooling cluster here is is world class, and and the IT sector is world class. And you can make everything here. And this car is designed to make that into the shortest pitch um, possible. You know, hey, look. Um, not only uh, can I, not only am I telling you that we can make it here. Look, we did. I made one. Right. Um, but I'm also trying to impress upon both levels of government and those tech players who have a foot in Silicon Valley and a foot in Ontario to say, there is a new model for OEM uh, businesses. It's a startup. And, you know, your listeners uh, who, read your, uh, who read your newspaper know the dozen or so uh, small volume OEMs that have built up over the last five years. Uh, technology in the manufacturing process has made it possible to build a company that makes smaller batches, and I think Ontario is ripe for that. So there's a long way of me telling you, Greg, that if somebody else wants to build the Arrow at volume, I'm all ears. If somebody wants to take all the lessons that we learned in building the Arrow, and we're going to go through the whole thing, um, and turn that into a car company here that makes things like the Arrow, then um, then uh, it's, a, it's a bonus that we didn't account for. Well, I, I wanted to ask you about that because there is or there, there will be a um, completed Project Arrow at some point. And, and right now, there, there's only a few electric vehicle startup companies in Canada, Electromechanica in BC, uh, AK Motors in Toronto, and they make EVs, but there's no Canada-owned automaker of scale. Do we need one? to grow the country's auto industry or at the very least keep what we have stable, uh, you know, maintain the jobs we have and the industry we have. And I ask that because there's people who will say, well, U.S. and Japanese automakers don't have a national tie to Canada, so they could just pull up stakes at any time. Is it important that we have a company in Canada that is Canada-owned that makes Canada-made vehicles? It's an advantage. You know, I spent the last three, four years at the front lines of the TPP negotiations and then the NAFTA negotiations and the com- the countries that have had the most advantage in the automotive discussions have been those where the OEMs are headquartered. And uh, the Japanese and the Americans certainly have an advantage over Canada in that sense. Where the um, Canada and, I guess, Mexico are the two biggest um, 
the two biggest automotive jurisdictions without a uh, a native uh, automaker. I got a letter. This is this is what this project does uh, has has uh, has uh, evoked in this country. I got a letter from uh, Nancy uh, St. John from again in Ockway yesterday. A letter, literally somebody writing a letter and then signing it and putting it in the mail. Uh, she said. Made in Canada is a comforting ring to it. A Canuck car would have a real appeal from our vantage points. Uh, she she wrote to me from Gananoque. She said, a town known more than 100 years ago as the Birmingham of Canada and the proud daughter and granddaughter of auto parts manufacturers. Ontario Steel Products Company Limited is one, was one of the leading Canadian manufacturers of automotive components, blah, 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 blah. Okay. And I, I thought, you know what? That name sounds familiar. I looked it up. Ontario Steel Products Company was one of the original members of the APMA in 1952. A, uh, a gentleman uh, uh, who ran it, E.S. Byers, was uh, the second director of the APMA. The, the serendipity of the 68 years later, the arc, where Nancy, who apparently is a grand, granddaughter of uh, uh, one of those principals, saying, hey, look, I saw what you did on the arrow. I really like it. This gives some appeal. If it says nothing else, it says that there is something for those of us in the industry that uh, would be more than the sum of the of all the parts if we had a Canadian car to call its own. If the Arrow is that car, great. If the Arrow inspires that car and it's somebody else, I mean, uh, we've done more than uh, than anybody expects uh, trade association to be doing. I mean, the name is a nod to the Avro Aero. And this week you were in uh, Edenvale Aero uh, Dome in yeah. uh, Stainer, Ontario, to see the full replica of the Avro Aero that they have there. Um, for those that don't know, that the famous Canadian fire, fighter jet that did all kinds of things and broke all kinds of molds but never came to production. Um, what was it like being there? What did that make you think or realize about Canadian engineering and manufacturing when you look up at a replica of, of what really was a groundbreaking uh, plane back in its day? Sure. You know, um, it, we called it the arrow as a, as a nod to that generation 60 years ago that built the a fighter jet that went twice as high and twice as fast, uh, designed from the ground up, uh, Canadian engineering and innovation marvel that uh, we did build six before the Diefenbaker government canceled it and then chopped up all the arrows. Uh, uh, NASA, on the day that uh, the arrow was canceled, uh, NASA recruited 32 engineers at... Um, at the uh, Avro uh, 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 Aircraft Company in Malton, those 32 engineers were central to the Mercury programs and the Apollo programs that put Americans in space and on the moon. The British uh, uh, went and recruited a whole bunch of engineers who then built that other famous Delta-winged supersonic jet, the Concorde. You know, what, what Canadians were able to do from a clean sheet was extraordinary. And so what I thought with my team was, I know that only full-scale model that exists anywhere in the world is up in Stainer. And um, a great entrepreneur named Milan Krupp um, uh, pulled it out of uh, rotting retirement at Pearson Airport and brought it up there, and it's on display. And I said, let's go see it. 
to see it is to be incredibly inspired to see it. I brought my 17-year-old daughter. She's like, that is 60 years old. I'm like, 60 years old. And just as a juxtaposition, there's a MiG, a 1952 MiG, a Soviet fighter jet. That was the standard that's sitting out there from the mid-50s. And it looks like um, the difference between a, you know, a Flintstones car and, um, and uh, you know, the, the latest McLaren. It was incredible. And to see it is to be inspired, to sit there and say, look, a clean sheet, like Project Arrow is a clean sheet. What can we do? Let's give it a shot. We're fully funded for a prototype. Why make something that um, is run-of-the-mill? Let's show everybody what Canada can do. I'm going to tell you about the whole team there. We stayed for a while. It was kind of eerie, you know. You kind of, everybody kind of drove back home. It was only an hour away. It was kind of like in a, like a, a stunned silence. Wow, this is what we're talking about? Yeah, let's make some history. Are, are we at a point in the auto industry right now that you would consider a clean sheet um, because of the transition to, I don't want to say just electric because hydrogen is in there as well, but are we at that stage or at that point where it is a clean sheet and anyone who wants to or any country who wants to or any company or anyone with money that wants to can build an electric vehicle right now because I mean, nobody really has a lock or a corner on the market right now, do they? Yeah, if it wasn't for this pesky 100-year pandemic that has depressed everybody's financial prospects and weakened a whole bunch of balance sheets, this would be a real, you know, we're at a crossroads in history where where you know market penetration is 2% and everybody says, well, why? I can't, it's not if you build it, they will come. Frankly, we build it and nobody comes. But California said uh, about three weeks ago, hey, by the way, you can't sell a, a uh, internal combustion engine vehicle uh, into the state in 2035. And to me, that's a real tipping point. That's why you see companies like Ford commit to battery electric plant in, um, in, um, only in uh, Oakville and FCA doing something very similar in uh, Windsor. It's uh, companies... Uh, none of which are charities, all are publicly traded, all are responsible to quarterly results. If they're making $2 billion moves, it's because they understand that we're at an inflection point where everything's for real. Is it a clean sheet time? Uh, not like the arrow was in uh, in the 50s, um, but you know, the market's not going to punish you for taking a chance on battery electric vehicles anymore because it's not a chance. Because if you're a long-term holder of those shares, uh, you're an institutional shareholder. You're an analyst of those publicly traded OEMs. If you're not making those moves, then you're going to get um, you're going to get punished on your market cap. For us, the project there was a clean sheet because what we've asked people to do is give us your best, and we'll feature connected autonomous, zero emission, lightweight, everything on this thing. And um, yes, we're going to have an eye to, uh, to potential production. Well, obviously, it's not going to be me who builds them, but. I also want to say, look, if you if you can dream, then, then you've got a platform, and we can use it. And then this car, not only are we building this car, Greg, it's going to go on a, it's going to go on the auto show circuit for uh, 2022 and 2023, and um, maybe 2024. We're, we are going to get this car into every single place where we went with those other vehicles, and um, this will be different from stem to stern. This vehicle will be a feature. And not just a great Lexus RX that we picked up in uh, Woodstock that we added 20 things to. No, this is stem to stern, brand new. 
I want to end on this. Um, Ford and FCA have announced big investments in the billions, as you just pointed out, as part of the next uh, collective agreement with Unifor. But there's no question 2020 has been one of the most bizarre and difficult years of our lifetime, if not the most um, uh, unique year of our lifetime. What is your assessment right now of the Canadian auto industry and the industry moving forward for us in Canada? Uh, Ford and, and FCA have put um, tracks down in in, uh, in zero emissions. Uh, Honda and General Motors have signed an an unprecedented MOU that's going to have them work together on it. I think I think the Alliston to Oshawa corridor is going to be one of those nexuses for um, for projects products of the future as well. Toyota, of course, you know can't say. You can't say too much about Toyota. Toyota's been the steadiest uh, investor in Ontario. I think, for all the reasons that we discussed before, the future is bright in Ontario, in Canada. But let me say the one thing that we haven't talked about, which I talked about for two years before we got to 2020, is the new USMCA rules have within them, in the rules of origin, four major components, um, a provision for battery development, you know, uh, having to be sourced locally, you know, within North America, and for uh, vehicles to qualify in their core parts, and this is what's driving a whole bunch of this. You want to be tariff compliant. Uh, you've got to have a North American battery strategy, and frankly, with lithium deposits in Quebec and in all of that supply chain in Quebec and Ontario, and the size of those things and how they move, they're kind of what's driving the strategy. Uh, Canada's better position than Mexico, for sure, better position than the U.S. Southeast, for sure, and Ontario and Quebec as part of this kind of Great Lakes Midwest cluster is as strong a player as any of the American side. I think I think the, the idea of the Rust Belt is going to be forgotten in the next 20, uh, 10 to 20 years in a way that uh, the, our successors in this business uh, will kind of chuckle when they hear the words Rust Belt because the center of the universe, at least on the North American side of the universe, is going to be Michigan, Ontario again. Okay, so since you brought it up, I can't let you go without asking. Are, are we, as Ontario and Quebec, um, at the forefront of battery development because of our natural resources? Are we better positioned than the United States? There is a long shadow between lithium deposits and Valdor and um, battery electric vehicle in your driveway, uh, Greg. But that shadow, at the very least, you can see where it starts and where it ends. There is no prospect in a lot of the auto jurisdictions in North America for that supply chain. Um, And in as much as the battery chemistry and battery technology is going to drive um, the design of vehicles, uh, you know, a couple of generations out, you know, to meet that, you know, California and a whole bunch of other states that will join them. Um, Ontario and Quebec are in a very enviable position. And, and for that matter, so is, uh, so is Michigan. So do we see, and I wrote about this in my column uh, this month in October, uh, I likened it to from farm to plate, sort of that uh, local food chain. Um, is it a similar concept that we can, in Ontario and Quebec, build a vehicle from um, literally beneath the ground up in terms of battery and then the full supply chain and then full assembly. Is, is that a reality in one or both of the provinces? 
Well, I think you can consider Project Arrow to be a report card for Canada on that basis. Okay. I think the answer is yes. I think we could probably do all of it. And the real question will be for those of us who are in this business, not on the charitable side, okay, can you do it profitably? And and there's going to be a lot of a vehicle that is always going to come from other places. Um, but that added value stuff that we think is very important, that that uh, relies on natural resources well, um, there is no place like uh, like the Canadian reserves, at least in North America, and frankly, I would argue, as well in most of Europe. And um, and I think if we do this right, uh, we'll be a very healthy competition to uh, to places like uh, China that that also have a natural resources advantage too. All right, Flavio. Um Excellent conversation as always. Um, really looking forward to seeing how Project Arrow um, finishes up. We'll be in touch again to uh, to do another update, but it's a great Canadian project. Um, all the best to you as you try and finish this thing off. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, you know, for all the gearheads out there, if I can figure out how to do a thousand horsepower version of it, uh, <laughs> I, I assure you, I will show you all. It's what everyone's talking about. Anyone that I've talked about says, can you believe it's a thousand horsepower? And for those that don't know, yeah. we're talking about the GMC Hummer. So, uh, yeah, if you ever get to that point, Flavio, you've got a winner yeah. for sure. So yeah, uh, appreciate yeah, the time, man. Okay, thanks. Take care. We reached Flavio at his office in Etobicoke, Ontario. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous shows on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. That does it for this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.